0: Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved,
1: Eric Marchin. Matt, we've been friends for 10 years now. We did it,
0: Eric. We did it. I was going to say, <laughs> here.
1: We, we've been friends for 10 years, and uh, I think it's come to an end after you maybe yeah. watch Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yes,
0: today we are reviewing Zack Snyder's Justice League. Hashtag release the Snyder cut. We live in a society, I mean, even though that line is not in the movie. Not in the movie. Um, technically, we did review Zack Snyder's Justice League once before, but it was sort of Joss Whedon's Justice League, um, the Frankenstein cut, the Frankenstein the cut. We'll release, call that. Yeah. Much, yeah, we'll call it the Frankenstein cut. Uh, but Eric, we're back. We are reviewing it. We have seen it. It is this mythical unicorn we didn't think existed. Well, it really didn't. Somehow, somehow it, it came out, it, or it's coming out this Friday uh, on HBO Max in the U.S. and Crave here in Canada. It is four hours. It is split into six chapters and an epilogue, uh, and there's a lot of a lot of movie in here. How different is it? We are going to discuss. Uh, but thank you for joining us. Um, this is an interesting thing because, yes, I Eric made a joke. I, I forced him to see this because I know how much he loves the DCEU and how much he loves Zack Snyder. Um, and four hours of Justice League. How could anyone four hours not plus want to watch rewatching
1: watching Justice League?
0: The theatrical. Which I would cut. I can't wait to talk about that with you. Cause I rewatched it last year when Kinda Funny was doing their uh, DCEU in review. And it was one of the most miserable things I've ever had to do was re-watch that uh Frankenstein cut of the movie that is just atrocious. Um, but yeah, we've seen it. Uh can't wait to talk about it. I, Eric, I don't know where you want to start
1: but we can get right into Matt, it. Matt, we should but start like- at the beginning and thank and say fuck you to the fanboys who made this movie possible because part of this uh, came from a very toxic experience um, environment sure, yeah, I not agree everybody that. you know we shouldn't you know like there there's a lot of people that are excited about this that are you know just fans of but the worst parts of fandom came out in this
0: campaign yeah. and I, I think there are probably a lot of you know totally civil normal fans that you know wanted the snyder cut and they you know i don't think there's anything wrong with campaigning and, and saying like oh we want to see this original version kind of thing but the way that um it, it came about online that You know, the shittiness kind of rose to the top, which in many cases online, that tends to happen. Um, Whether they were a vocal minority or they were the majority of people, um, it is kind of unfortunate that the way this came about, it kind of, you know, leaves a kind of a bitter, sour, you know, taste in your mouth because you're kind of the
1: experience for everybody that. Is enthusiastic about it that isn't an asshole, uh, basically. And yeah. and and shout out to the people who weren't assholes because yeah. I do think,
0: like, I'm glad you got this movie. It's just unfortunate that you know it's surrounded by all this negativity with that group as well. And and, and I'll just kick it off, Eric. I, I don't know how much we have to do a synopsis or anything, or we can talk about because you just watched the theatrical cut, like, how different this movie feels from that theatrical cut. But I will kick it off in saying, like, I know you kicked it off kind kind Of, on a jokey negative note, yes, but I'll be I will the joker be more, in
1: this piece, Jared uh, yeah, Leto's. And I joker. will be
0: the you know, the uh, the hope in this movie and the and the, the positivity of uh, I, I'm not gonna say I love the movie, I don't think it's a masterpiece, I don't think it's you know, a fantastic movie by any means. It is bloated, It there's a lot of issues that are different in this than the issues with the theatrical cut, but I will kick it off on a positive note, and uh, I will say that I do think this is a drastically different. Movie than the uh, featuring a lot of the same footage the the same general plot um, while it's rearranged in a different way introducing dark seed and 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 a bunch of different things um, I will kick it off on a positive note by saying I didn't hate it and I actually kind of mildly enjoyed my time with it which I am quite shocked to say. Um, that being said, I'm not a huge fan of the DCEU or Zack Snyder's kind of universe he created. So, I mean, there's a lot of problems inherently with that of like, I don't think this is necessarily a horrible movie. I think it is a vast improvement over the theatrical cut. I think it makes it a coherent, uh, uh, mildly entertaining watchable movie, even at its four hour length because of it's broken up in chapters and things like that. Uh, is it way too long? Yes. Is there some dodgy CGI? Yes. Is there all the comical kind of vulgar? otourisms uh, from Zack Snyder with slow motion and ridiculous song choices and, and silly action sequences and violence for no reason or swearing for no reason. And just things that he so, wants to be cool but aren't quite cool but like it just feels like something a you know a 17 year old uh with you know uh rock posters on his wall not rock as in like the wrestler or anything like that but it's like just posters of rocks bands like, like yeah rocks uh you know like that uh, kind of c- you comically cliched 17 year old uh macho teenager uh kind of thing and he feels like you know feels like he hasn't grown out of that right and he's still making movies for that age group and still um, listening to
1: blink 182
0: yeah i mean even then like i think that's a different category but um anyways I, i i don't love the movie but i actually think it is a vast improvement which isn't a high bar obviously to cross but um i will kick it off on a positive note and say like i didn't I didn't hate it. And I think it is fascinating from being a film fan. And I know we've seen this director's cuts and different things like that. Well, even I, with Zack Snyder, anymore.
1: right? With with Watchmen. Like that's yeah. a perfect example. And
0: and Batman vs. Superman, um, the uh the ultimate edition, I think, is is more if you're familiar with that and you like that ultimate edition of that movie, um, you'll probably like this. And then going into this, reviewing it is a bit weird as well, because I feel like We've seen enough of Zack Snyder's movies, and we've seen enough of his DC movies that I feel like you kind of know if you're going to like this movie going into it. And I never think as critics for us, we should go in knowing you're going to like or hate a movie. But I feel like as fans, this movie is truly made for the fans, not the critics, even though it seems like some critics don't mind it. Um I I just feel like you kind of know going in, like if you're going to vibe with this thing or not. And so I feel like it's critic proof to an extent. Yes, we can talk to our, you know, till our ears bleed. Um, Do they bleed? (laughs) They do. Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, We can talk to our ears bleed about, you know, the pros and cons of this movie, but I feel like the people who wanted this movie are going to like this movie it doesn't matter what we necessarily think. yeah
1: we're not going to change um, any
0: minds or persuade anybody to watch or not watch the film because if you if you vibe with zack snyder's style and you like his dc movies if you liked man of steel and you even liked batman vs superman the ultimate cut then i th- think you're going to like this movie as for someone who was i didn't hate either man of steel uh, or the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman. Like I, I kind of feel the same about this movie where I'm like, I don't love it, but I'm kind of, it's not my DC heroes that I want. Uh, but it stays true to his vision. It is very much aligned with those movies. And I I actually appreciate that, you know, he's getting to quote unquote finish. And we'll get into that a bit later. His vision of what this universe is. Um, And it is him through and through, like it is a Zack Snyder movie. It has all those things I mentioned and for better or for worse. And um, that's kind of how I feel about it. I'm kind of mixed on it. I I, I did mildly enjoy it, but uh, more from like a experiment of seeing how different it was from the last one. And then I feel like it falls in line with those other movies. That's how I feel. I don't know how you feel, Eric.
1: Yeah, I'm going to come at this probably in a much more negative way uh, overall, Um, but I'll start off with a positive. I do think it is uh, a better cut um, than the theatrical version, which is uh, a monstrosity, Um, but that's almost like comparing dirt to mud um, in, in terms of its comparisons, but I can understand what the vision is. I think one of my biggest problems with this, and I don't even and this is what the definition of what this is. This is not a movie. This is an assembly cut. And that's the biggest problem I have, I think, overall with watching this. I don't, you know, we, we talk about this and joke about it on the regular show and even during reviews, especially have you know, since the pandemic. Um, you know, what what is a movie? What is television? What is content? This to me is. A Zack Snyder cut. This is Zack Snyder's Justice League. But at the same time, you look at this thing, this unwieldy four hour and two minute assembly cut, as I mentioned, an assembly cut for people maybe that don't know the familiar with the film term, is usually that's the first cut. Everything. It's a rough <laughs> cut of um, you know what will become the theatrical version. So it has everything that's in the shooting script. And then it's presented to uh, the studio heads and the crew and then from there they take notes and then kind of whittle it down to usually you know two and a half hours two hours depending on you know what it is comic book movies are usually a little too long for what they need to be but um this is not this isn't this ever really felt like a film to me and like even if I were to call it a mini series, I, I don't know if I I'd, I'd necessarily say that because there are times like you mentioned you know there's a dodgy uh, opening sequence uh, involving uh, Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor it
0: doesn't look that doesn't great, look great. No. There's a
1: shot of Connie Nielsen uh, sending a signal to um, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman and a close up of her that looks like the cinematography or like the the post production visual effects weren't done um, in terms of the lighting. And there's a lot of that in there. Um, But in terms of looking at this from just an experiment and from the point of view of somebody that watches movies and has seen a number of director's cuts versus theatrical cuts and how significant a change can be, it is a significant change. And I think overall, it is a better cut than the theatrical cut because – it feels like a fully formed body with a head down to its toes. and Like it makes sense when you yeah, watch it. Yeah, and it is interesting the theatrical talking about it from not. the point of view of a Frankenstein thing. Because in what this movie sort of brings back into the narrative is Cyclops' story, which is essentially a Frankenstein story um, into the narrative. He's very much the lead in the movie. Where in, where he feels where like in the, the theatrical cut, he's he's a crucial part of it, but he also feels like an afterthought. Yeah. And, and it is interesting as well, because like you look at where we were in 2017 with justice league, the movie, it was a rushed sort of production. It was DC competing with Marvel's Avengers films. They wanted to get one of these kind of big, you know, uh, ensemble Ensemble, pieces, pieces together and, and, and bring, you know, the big names there. They didn't need to do, obviously an origin story with both Batman and Superman, they kind of already did that with man of steel, Zack Snyder's version of an origin story with man of steel and Batman versus Superman. Um, They didn't really do it with Aquaman because they knew that they were going into production almost at that same time for the solo movie flash. They shot a scene that kind of set up his character, but then that was cut out of the theatrical version. Um, And cyborg is interesting because, you know, after this, we're not going to get a cyborg movie, at least not a cyborg film that has Ray Fisher or that is going to be a part of the traditional DCEU. So,
0: you originally was going to be in Flash, yes, but, but because of all the issues with Joss Whedon and DC and Jeff Johns and everyone, Ray Fisher has been very vocal with how he was treated on the reshoots and things like that. That they've kind of you know distance themselves from him and he said he was willing to do the flash movie but he wanted you know the people who treated him and other people on that set horribly to be held to accountable be account- yeah, yeah and they and they're dodging it so he basically is in a big fight with them right now for people who aren't familiar yeah
1: and 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 so you know with him because Cyborg is the least probably well known Character maybe outside of Teen Titans, the the animated series, or even the live action. Ver- is he in the live action version? I don't even know. Yeah, of what? Uh, Teen Titans. Of Teen Titans. Uh, great question, Eric. Okay. <laughs> See, this is a question <laughs> I think he, that, he fan, must be. that that fans are probably already shouting at us he for not must knowing.
0: Be, but like again, I, Eric and I, I think, are big. We're big DC fans. Like we're both huge Batman. Well, I, I like for, Batman, and like, that's my extent of
1: DC. Oh, Okay. Sure. Well,
0: I I like the DC universe, but I, again, I've kind of leaned more towards Marvel uh, in more recent years. But obviously. yeah,
1: but going back in terms of like looking at this as like a, again, I don't want to call this a film, but looking at it as a film fan and seeing what works and what doesn't, and even looking at this and comparing it to, I mean, you mentioned the Ultimate Edition of Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice, but like you look at Watchmen, the theatrical cut of Watchmen, I thought had some really interesting moments and it was fun to see you know from page to screen have a literal translation and then also again having all of Zack Snyder's sort of interests and quirks that are kind of derived from the Wachowski sisters like with the slow yeah. motion sort of visuals the the pulpy violence the swearing the profanity um and then mixing that in with you know the kind of bright colors and costumes of the Alan Moore series there was a lot there to be kind of wowed by visually, but the sort of the meat of that story kind of felt like there was something lacking. And then you watch the director's cut of that movie. And then they put back in a lot of the stuff with the original night owl played by Steve McCaddy and, and there adds a little bit of an emotional core to it. And then there's the ultimate edition of Watchmen, which is really unnecessary because it just adds to black crater stuff, which is just literally like, Com- a comic book within a comic book and it, it works within the meta kind of nature of panels, but within a film it diverts from the yeah. sort of central story that you're telling. Even when you have Chart Butler voicing, you know, this, this character within uh, the Black Raider and like, you're just thinking to yourself, when are we going back to, um you know, the, the sort of the live action stuff and and going back to the story. And then it, it also is interesting to see how, Zack Snyder's Watchmen kind of influenced, or at least is referenced in some ways to the Damon Lindelof one. Um, yeah. so it, You know, th- this Justice League, going back to Justice League now, like watching this and then the theatrical cut and sort of comparing and contrasting what made it in or what changed about it or how it was moved to another scene or restructured, I think is interesting to have a conversation about was it necessary to get a four hour sort of assembly cut that's masquerading as uh, a director's cut or definitive edition no not necessarily Un- unless you're a true fan and that's fine you'll have your but even then like i, I agree with you there where it-,
0: it it still very much is bloated i struggle to i, I totally understand why if you try to get you know, the script, how it is, to two hours, why you get a Frankenstein version like you got with the Joss Whedon version. Um, even if Snyder had to cut this movie down to two hours, I feel like it still would have been incoherent. Where I'm not justifying the four hour runtime. I do think you need to get closer to that, you know, two forty five to three hour mark, probably to fit everything into this movie. And then maybe you have something a little bit tighter and still, you know, understand what's happening with everything uh because i feel like if you can get endgame in three hours even though it's or you need to do this movie a part one and part two but i don't even know where you split it down the middle people say i i suggested after chapter four is probably that halfway point at the two hour and 20 minute mark um but it's not necessarily a satisfying ending if you were going to split this movie into part one and part two which is probably what they would have done if he stayed on the movie and allowed him his complete vision, right? Cause I'm with you where I do feel like Zack Snyder to his detriment. Sometimes the studio will make him cut. Cause I agree with you that the Watchmen director's cut is better than the theatrical cut theatrical cut because it adds a little bit more depth uh, i agree i think the, the ultimate edition of batman v superman is a mo- more coherent and better movie than that theatrical cut which i don't know if you've even gone back and nope. watched the ultimate No, nope. <laughs> not at all yeah <laughs> which i mean it's very much like this eric but i think i actually liked justice league more than batman v superman um this version of it uh even the ultimate edition but there's caveats to that because I, I do agree with you that four hours is absolutely absurd and and excessive and i feel like you you can get this movie down to that three hour mark and then be even with that end game runtime and lord of the rings and different things like that where it is a little bit more palatable and like it's not It's still excessive, obviously, but I feel like it isn't leaning towards that assembly cut or that Watchmen Ultimate Edition you're talking about where you literally take, let's take every piece of footage that we have and put it into this movie. Like Movies get edited down for a reason, right? Like They don't include every piece of footage for a reason. And this definitely feels like they used every piece of footage just because if a fan found out that they left this scene out or that scene out, like, you told us we're getting the Snyder Cut the ultimate edition. Like, how could you cut anything? And like, I'd be surprised if they didn't leave anything
1: on the cutting room. Well, floor they did, though, here. and and that's something we can talk about as we go on. Like, there is some stuff that is like when my ri- original review came out for for like Rogers, and when we talked about it originally, like it was it was fascinating because like the the weeden moments that were yeah. very obvious have been removed from the film. Yeah.
0: The- well that's what I mean. But like they removed all the weed and stuff, but yeah. I mean any of his
1: footage. But you think that like some of that they might have even tried to have repurposed because when I was thinking we're getting a four hour and, and, and two minute cut, yeah, they're they're going to do some reshoots and and green screen and stuff like that to obviously, you know, make sure that they can shoot Henry Cavill's face and 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 sort of change <laughs> that jawline and make his it face does look better. Look normal or or do some reshoots with, you know, like uh or or, or post-production. Compositing and certain scenes, but when you're watching it, you're thinking to yourself, "Okay, like they, like are they How are they going to sustain four hours?" And a lot of it is exposition, and a lot of it is yeah. exposition to sort of creating the myth and and sort of the 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 build up to. Dark Side, who is the DC version of Thanos, and uh, th- which you didn't tease in other movies, no. really. So you have
0: to give that exposition. In exactly,
1: and so Wonder Woman is basically kind of the one that are, you know, and the Amazonians are the ones that are basically there because to- she's the oldest. <laughs> yeah, to give you the the backstory of of Dark Side being, you know, uh, somebody who is prominent in sort of a uh, being a world crusher and and the and the af- mythos, mythos yeah, and and universe. wanting these mother boxes back. Um and and you know again visually like I think it looks a little bit better um than the original one which is just an eyesore where this like they toned down that kind of ugly orange brown rustic yeah. look in the Chernobyl fight sequences
0: got, now it's just a normal Zack Snyder saturated yeah
1: and look. Steppenwolf um sort of voiced by uh, uh Kieran Hines does look better in this version than uh the theatrical cut. It's more metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, him, he's, kinda, he's more yeah. metallic. Metallic. Um, but yeah. but you made an interesting sort of uh, analogy with Zack Snyder being, you know, like a, a teenager in a dorm room or, or a college yeah. student in a dorm room. I almost compare him to like a child who's just got a shiny new play set of action figures. Yeah, it's too. what he does is he's not satisfied enough by playing with them on his own, but he makes the adult who's watching him. Focus on everything that this child is doing with those toys and being like, isn't this cool? Look what I'm doing now and drawing yeah, attention yeah. to things that he thinks are cool, but not necessarily that everybody else thinks are cool. Some people might. But, but- there is
0: an audience that yeah. does, which is why this exists. And my comparison
1: right? in terms of of that for me, when it works, is someone like James Cameron. James Cameron sure. is a guy who is a dork just like Zack Snyder. But I give... James Cameron the benefit of the doubt because I like a lot of the movies he's made. I think both Terminator 2 and Aliens are two of the best sequels ever made and masterpieces in blockbuster cinema. I really love the Terminator. I think The Abyss, the director's cut is fantastic when you watch that and compare that to the theatrical version. Um, but he he's a guy for me, This is and this is again opinion, that backs up that kind of nerdiness and sort of that, you know, his his <clears throat> fallings, his foibles are things that are sort of met with, you know, the 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 technical skill. Where Zack Snyder is a guy that I've really liked Dawn of the Dead. I think his his remake of Dawn of the Dead is solid. And and I said like I like his director's cut of Watchmen. But he's a guy that very much kind of feels like he's been stealing the style of filmmakers from the late 90s, whether it be the Wachowski sisters in the Matrix movies and like even with 300. Like there are things in 300 that are very much iconic and I cannot deny that. But it also kind of feels like 300 exists because of the Matrix and because of that sort of like slow-mo style and, you know, like trying to create like his own version of bullet time and things like that watching this you're thinking like okay you you know he's talked about and it's kind of become a joke now online that you know like the the four by three aspect ratio the the academy box aspect ratio (laughs) is inspired by first cow (laughs) or even like i could see like the 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 icelandic sort of chant that happens um in the one sequence i could see him being like yeah i watched midsummer or, or i watched the juniper tree with bjork and it was like that's why i put that in there and that's why it's excessively long because it feels like it's it's probably about like maybe two minutes max, but it feels longer for something like that sticks out in something like that. Because again, like if it was, if it was an auteur filmmaker doing it, they would probably get praised. Where it's Zack Snyder doing agree, it. yeah. He's going to get shit on by people like well, me that, because it's that's weird and it doesn't fit yeah. his milieu, per se. But
0: then that's why I almost appreciate it, Eric. Because I'm laughing, but I'm enjoying myself because I go, you know what? You got to just hats off to the guy you know he just goes all in on this stuff that he thinks is cool and you're i'm like you know what again if it was an auteur filmmaker that's why i call him a vulgar vulgar auteur like john just feel sarah
1: like, like someone like that or paul yeah Dearhoven, i mean he's
0: right? he definitely has a distinct style that he commits to in every single one of his movies even if it's ripping off other people it's just taking i mean michael again, bay does he, it he, all the time yeah, Tarantino. Again, it's it's just like again, sometimes uh, it works for filmmakers better than others. And I, I, I don't even hate Zack Snyder. He's kind of become a, a little bit of a joke to me, like, but not as in like, you're a joke, but more like I kind of laugh at the stuff he makes and, 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 and what he's doing. Cause I'm like, you know what? He has an audience that obviously really loves him and he makes movies for that audience. And I go hats off to you. You found your thing. Uh, you found the people, the people who like you really love you and you're giving them what they want. And, um, that's not necessarily what I want, but I, I watch it almost with a fascination. And that's kind of what I had throughout this movie where, when the chanting happens, when Aquaman's walking into the water shirtless, and I'm like, all right, let's go. And then like, or the chapter titles and the four by three cinematography, which is stuff that we usually, you know, me, like I go, fuck. Yeah. I love chapter titles and I love four by three cinematography because it's weird or, or, but now it's getting used more and more often. And I get that it's, more for the imax aspect ratio if this was playing in theaters but it's not playing in theaters so it's like it's just one of those weird choices where i'm like you know what go for it dude like most of your audience is going to watch this and go why the fuck are there black bars on or they're each thinking each that there's the something screen? wrong with their television like, that they need to adjust yeah, it and- and you have to have explanation videos on IGN and the places where, you know, these people are going and that have to explain why it's not in widescreen. Right. And it's like, well, it's because Zack Snyder wanted it to be an IMAX, but then he also thought it was probably cool that it's in four by three because no other superhero movie has ever done that. So why not do something? And then we'll put in chapter titles because it's four hours long and that's cool too. Right. And like, these are all things that like, again, if I made a movie, I'd probably put chapter titles in a cool title sequence and things like that because that's the shit that I like. So I appreciate that he's he and then he references first cow in, in, in an interview and you're like you know what sure let's that's incredible like you gotta almost
1: applaud the guy for i it. watched like, first reformed and i was like i need to have a movie in four by three and
0: and that's what i mean like and the chapter titles in this movie don't even need to be there like it's pretty you know chronological and they don't really even fit into necessarily like distinct themes and or they anything. are lines oh, in the film like,
1: like don't count yeah. on it batman is said by sure you know, Aquaman yeah. and and like it's it's almost like a it almost reminded me of Frazier remember when like the quotes on sure. Frazier would come up like on the yeah. title cards not that he he probably based it more on Lars von Trier though you know sure yeah
0: exactly yeah but even then like I'm like okay it's pretty chronological so you know like Tarantino does it to kind of split up his movies and they're very novelistic and like and when it's out of uh, when it's out of chronological order it kind of to me makes sense to tell a story but even in something like Promising Young Woman that doesn't necessarily have chapter titles but it has the nicks from the journal in there and like there are stylistic choices that I would applaud in other movies that like I may be shitting on Zack Snyder here for. that like I just don't feel like this movie necessarily needed that but when you have a four-hour movie it does kind of break it up into that kind of television episodic kind of thing which this originally was going to come out as That it almost helps it like and he has said that you know when i was saying that the you know halfway point in the movies after chapter four i think he did come out in an interview last week and say that like that's where he would have put an intermission if there was an intermission built into the movie and i actually think he should have built in just go all out if you're putting chapter titles and it's four hours and whatever build in a a fucking an overture and an intermission just go full roadshow with this shit because why not um but there isn't um but anyways i i there are some moments that I just couldn't help but like smile or laugh at, or just go, you know what? It's Zack Snyder being full Zack Snyder. And you mentioned the Aquaman moment walking into the water with, but the he's him, less like, the funny in
1: like-, th- like this version, he's more like you can tell with both the flash and Aquaman that Whedon really kind of emphasize kind of comedic beats in those two characters and like, almost like it was playing up the idea that, you know, Aquaman is just like a, you know, a bro, a fish bro. bro. Um, Where in this version, like he's still that, but it almost is like Snyder has more reverence for Aquaman where like Barry Allen is still kind of like the comedic sort of, relief relief of the of the ensemble and kind of feels like the most feels like warner
0: yeah it still feels like warner was like can you add like a couple jokes in here and he was like do i have to <laughs> they're, they're like if you wouldn't mind zach we wouldn't we like kind of make the flash like the spider-man character and he's like all right i'll try but then there there's that flash sequence again Um, we've seen it with you know quicksilver and and, uh, and other speedsters but like the slow and it kind of fits for zach snyder and into the point where i'm la- i laugh because right when that slow motion scene happened and oh, that when his song shoes comes burn on, off um yeah his shoes burn off and he he saves iris west who he puts you know, a hot dog in the, his uh pocket. The, yeah his pocket and like but that even that scene felt weird and creepy because he like takes way too much time saving her for a woman that he's never really met he just saw on the street Right, but it's also um, it also
1: i think is now partly because of who Ezra Miller is a little bit yes, as well. That's uh, plays into it
0: a little bit as well. But like, again, there's those moments time and time again, where you're like, Oh, here comes a slow motion sequence. And then you hear like a, 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 a song play and you're like, all right, I'm ready for this three minute slow motion sequence. And it almost becomes that thing where you're like, yeah, He's committing for that committing cover to of the a bit. Leonard
1: Cohen song. To kick yeah. In. He's
0: like, he's committing to the bit. And I, I appreciate and it. And I also him. did uh,
1: laugh. Um, there's one moment with speaking of of Barry Allen, like his story, like he, we get a little bit of his sort of origin story, but I'm sure they're going to explore it more in the Flash movie, um, with his with his father, who's played by Billy Crudup in this, and Billy Crudup, who's going to be recast, recast which is unfortunate because i really do like billy crudup but i actually think he's good this yeah. is the thing billy crudup is in a different movie entirely yeah. because the scene that he's yeah. in is like it felt like i'm gonna deliver an oscar worthy moment here and it's yeah. almost like he's in like a real drama <laughs> i agree with that it's completely. amazing yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah. But then that's the stuff that I kind of, the movie, again, because you're cramming so much in here, it does give each character their moment or their intro, right? We we touched upon it, but it is very much a cyborg movie for me. Like he is the through line. Him and Batman, I feel like are maybe the two co-leads of the movie. And then you have Wonder Woman and Aquaman and um, who am I missing? The Flash and stuff like that. Even flashes intro here, but it does feel weird seeing this movie after now seeing Aquaman and two wonder woman movies. And like, uh, it, it still feels like that, sometimes they feel like different characters well, than tone what we've as seen well. in those totally, movies the tone right. is so different like wonder woman's crushing people's faces in that ba- bank scene and like literally blood splattering on the wall and it's just like it's so over the top another slow motion scene with her music just coming in like dun, 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 and like and she's just like crushing people's skulls and i'm like this feels like a different character than we just saw in, in wonder woman 1984 um I, maybe she's just become completely cynical over the years um i don't know but um that stuff felt very weird um uh i kept laughing i, I keep bringing up there's the dodgy cgi that we um we talked about which you kind of see that like i know they threw 70 million dollars at this um, more but i would i would assume it, it does probably more. it still feels sometimes that like some of the shots you're just like Ugh, this looks a little unfinished um a few, I'm like, did Amber Heard have a British accent in Aquaman?
1: Or That, am I was, just the, like- that was the thing, I because I didn't rewatch Aquaman, but it, it almost yeah. reminds me of um, Carrie Fisher in the first Star Wars movie, where, like, yeah. she, because she's surrounded by British actors, that she picks up on, like, this British accent and then kind of loses it halfway through. And with this, it's like uh, Mur- uh, Myrna, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, Mara. Mara, Mara, Mara
1: has this weird like British accent and then Willem Dafoe's just Willem Dafoe, um, yeah. which is great. I mean, I just like seeing Willem Dafoe pop up and stuff, but like, it's also just interesting to sort of see like, again, going back to the weed and stuff. So the scene with um, Holt McElhaney and Batman on the roof, which kind of introduces the pair of demons um, in, in the original cut is, is no longer there. And then the other scene that's kind of a comedic scene with Aquaman is when he sits on Wonder Woman's, Rope and starts telling the truth about how he feels in the moment before they you know face off against Steppenwolf. That's been removed from the scene uh, from the film, and then also the opening of the movie is much different. Where you had the uh, the the mock doc of Superman saving people, where you're first introduced to Henry Cavill's messed up face uh, in in that scene. So that's been scrapped. So they did take out scenes and completely sort of remove them from the entirety. They didn't just reshuffle certain things. And then like there's a moment in the theatrical cut that didn't really make a lot of sense with future Flash coming into play uh, and warning Batman and telling him that Lois Lane is the key and it's so it's so abrupt. Well, that was in Batman v Superman Oh, right? was it? I thought it was in uh, uh, Justice League No, that's in Batman v Superman Okay, because there's a scene in Justice League in the new cut where uh, he wakes up after having a nightmare uh, Ben Affleck. Yeah, and, and it's almost like Oh, okay, no, it is. No, you're right. Sorry. See, it's- Because he references
0: it in this yeah. cut, where he didn't reference it in the theatrical so, cut, because that's one thing people were like, oh, you just left that- Hanging. Hanging, yeah. right? Like, you, you completely set up this thread in- in Batman v Superman, because you get the nightmare sequence in that where he wakes up, and then that when Flash comes out and says like, "You need to save her" or whatever. Or but there is also the a scene key. in Justice
1: League, Zack um, Snyder's Justice yeah. League, where he wakes up and he's like, "Oh, I just had a bad dream." And then basically they yeah. take all the 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 nightmare stuff and put it as the epilogue. The epilogue. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I that's what I kind of appreciate
0: of when we talked about him finishing his vision. Although this movie does set up probably sequels that we'll never get or will we right Um, i mean it is
1: it is at least kind of giving some groundwork for the flash movie and like that's the other thing about this film we talked about tone and like each character maybe not meshing within the Zack snyder sort of universe of being sort of dark and twisted or what have you but there's also this weirdness to it where Certain sort of storylines, the way that they play out or the way that they're introduced and hinting at new characters that will become a part of the Justice League in the future almost feel shoehorned in and laughably so. I, The other scene I laughed at was uh, – I don't know if we can talk about this character or not, but like you probably know who I'm talking about, how he's introduced about halfway through the movie and then really serves no point – other than saying, okay, well, there are other characters out there that we can bring in later on, and then, like, if this movie is "quote unquote" the last Zack Snyder-related DCEU movie, and really has no sort of uh, bearing on the future of the the cinematic universe. Are you talking
0: about the guy he shows up in the nightmare sequence? No, well? we're is that who no, talking we're about? talking
1: about the guy who shows up uh, at the beginning, or no, no, halfway through, and at the end, and transforms. You know who we're talking about, right?
0: Why am I blank? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. No. So th- again, there's so much in this yes. movie that I totally forget. Yes. There, which that was rumored and it is a character we've seen before, but there is a revelation in this movie that he is someone else. Um, And I don't want to give anything away. And same with the nightmare sequence, because like, again, I weirdly was intrigued by this stuff. Like, at least he's set. he he's finishing off or, or teasing things that you know, he's done a trilogy of these movies now with man of steel, with Batman V Superman and with, uh, justice league. And he got to kind of, finish that but then also leave all these threads eric just mentioned one that we won't totally go into there's all this stuff in the nightmare sequence where you go is this a dream is this the future it looks like it is the future which is what he teased with flash going back in batman v superman and warning that lois lane was the key and that lois and then there's that sequence in batman v superman especially in the ultimate edition uh of uh Superman just saying that like, you know, it looks like Lois Lane dies in the future and then Superman goes crazy and and like basically kills everyone kind of thing and um I I was intrigued by that stuff and I I weirdly even though I don't love this universe, I was like, ah, that kind of sounds cool, but Again, there's a lot of stuff that sounds cool that's the execution's not really quite there. And they, um, a post credit scene in Justice League is used in the epilogue here, which then sets up part of the nightmare sequence that, uh, where you see this ragtag group of characters, which is what we've seen with the Jared Leto stuff with Joker. Um, in the trailer and like that group of people and how they come together is interesting to me. And I like post-apocalyptic stuff. I've seen some Batman comics where they touch on that stuff too. Um, We're never probably going to get that unless, you know, this ends up being super successful and, you know, they could convince DC to, they could convince DC to let him come back and continue his vision of, will he convince, you know, Ben Affleck to come back? I mean, Affleck's coming back for, You know, uh, Flash. But I agree with you, Eric, where I feel like a lot of the threads that are set, this will be the canonical Justice League movie moving forward, if that makes sense, I think. Right. And then some of this stuff I think will be touched on in Flashpoint, especially because you have. Ben Affleck's Batman in that movie and, and it will probably reset that universe. And I know cyborg was supposed to be a part of that who is part of the nightmare sequence in this as well. So I, and yeah, and the epilogue stuff with that other character that you're setting up seems like it's just setting up justice league, you know, two and, and he is a prominent, member of the justice league for people who are fans of the
1: who uh, i always get confused with vision i remember as a kid like i i I always got those two characters confused but also the again like with tone the other thing that i I found weird with both cuts of these movies that don't make a lot of sense is the weird nostalgia for superman because in snyder's universe superman is basically around for like a week well also and he's a (laughs) war criminal he's killed thousands of people and then when he dies the way that he's sort of mourned is as if like the world, like our earth has lost, you know, it's, it's greatest hero. And like, if it were, if, well, they'd still think that he saved the world, right? right. Like from Zod, and, but he like, still so kills like thousands of people and he's kind of a mean collateral ver- damage. He's man. still kind of a mean version of, of that character. Like I, I would understand. I think Henry
0: Cavill is a great, superman but he hasn't played a great version of superman i think if he
1: were to have that mustache from mission impossible and play superman then then, we're then then we're talking but but like i would understand it if it was the the christopher reeves version of superman that was like killed in a doomsday-esque storyline and then like what the world was like after mourning him him, Yeah, yeah where this it's like he's kind of like a super serial killer and i know the boys kind of have touched on that like you, you you've talked about that with have you watched no, the i haven't yet, yet you but really you've should, talked yeah. about the one character kind of being like the dark Home-lander, version yeah. of superman and that's kind of what this Zack snyder's superman reminds me of is like the evil version of superman you don't need a bizarro superman you already have them
0: i agree. Well, and even the stuff he's teasing in that nightmare universe kind of Perpetuates that, right? It's almost like, like oh, he, like, he, no, you're
1: just it, like the evil Superman and the nightmare stuff is just like regular superman
0: (laughs) yeah that's just i mean it stays true to the version of superman he's created in this universe right like that superman feels like oh yeah he would snap if lois lane died and he would just take over the world or whatever and you're like there are some cool versions of the story like um the there's a video game called injustice uh which is a mortal combat type fighting game but with dc heroes and the storyline in that is that you know superman ends up you know, taking over the world kind of thing and, and being a bad guy. And um, I think there's some that is interesting. It's, uh, but again, you kind of want Superman to be a more hopeful uh, kind of, you know, G. G. Willikers kind of superhero, like American hero kind of guy, not necessarily this. Like, I agree with you that they haven't made him the nicest guy in this. Um, but I like Henry Cavill's look as Superman. And I feel like he could have played a really, you know, fun. Like loving Superman, hopeful Superman. It's just Zack Snyder all he just wants everything to be taken so seriously and and it be dark and like Zack Snyder seems like he
1: needs to be the guy to direct a Batman movie and not a Superman film. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I agree. And 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 his and whatever you want to say about Affleck's Batman, like I don't feel like he was he's been given enough, you know, to we've teased at what, but he's always been thrown into these ensemble movies. So it's not necessarily like you get much from this version of Batman, right? Like, you know, he's tortured and he,
1: which is important.
0: Yeah. Great. Fantastic. But uh, he's edgy. He says, fuck, just like cyborg says, fuck. Um, You know, it's again, we're kind of going in circles here, but again, I do think the movie kind of, uh, it stays true to what Zack Snyder is in in this version of his DC universe and i feel like the movie ends up being mo- more coherent but it is obviously emphasis on more um where it's just like obviously it's more more coherent cuz it's double in length and it actually kind of fleshes out why steppenwolf is there and who sent him and things like that where in the in the last the Frankenstein cut, it just this guy shows up and you're like, Mother Boxes, what the fuck is this guy doing? And like, it's just like, now you kind of get that. And I feel like it makes for, you know, a movie that you can kind of sit down and go, Okay, I get what everyone was doing here. It's just there's a lot there. And there's a lot of Zack Snyder and he, you there's know, a lot like, of Mother Box. Is, there's a lot of Mother Boxes. And I just like, There's just a lot, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, but um, I go back to my original point of like, if you listen to us for 44 minutes, and there might be a lot of people listening to us for the first time because you're very intrigued by the Snyder Cut, and if you're very intrigued by the Snyder Cut and you wanted to watch the Snyder Cut, you're probably going to like the Snyder Cut. (laughs) Like, I just... I, I really... I don't think like this isn't a movie I'm going to suggest to my parents or, you know, the casual film goer or someone who's like, Oh, I kind of liked birds of prey or whatever, or something like that. I'm like, no, you don't need to watch this movie. I'm like, I'm going to suggest it to people that like, are intrigued whether you're a film fan and you just want to see how different it is. But I'm like, if you've already hated the other movies, then like, of course you're going to hate this. Like <laughs> there's, it's just more of it. Like it's more, <laughs> it's excess to like, the
1: point of excess.
0: And I think Joss Whedon's Frankenstein cut of it is a, a horrible bad movie for m- much different reasons than why Zack Snyder's DC movies are not great movies. It's they're very different reasons of why they're bad, right? Or why someone would think they're bad, where I think they're very okay, but they're very much exactly what I would expect out of a Zack Snyder movie. And then uh, he's one of those filmmakers that I don't think is going to win you over magically on the seventh movie he's made. Like You kind of know what you're going to get. So it's hard for me to be critical, but Again, I was pleasantly surprised because I went in going, oh my God, what is this going to be? And um, I was intrigued from a filmmaking standpoint on how different it would be from the theatrical cut. And it is very different. But then I found myself weirdly intrigued throughout the whole thing and like laughing maybe at some of the choices, but then it's so excessive. But Eric, I will tell you, I was never bored and that shocks me. Like At the three hour mark, I finally had to take... Uh, a whiz and um i was like oh my god there's still an hour but i was not like oh fuck there's another hour like batman Uh, that's (laughs) yeah and i was like kind of like fascinated by the whole thing and i don't love the dceu or what Zack snyder has created and i i'm fine with it going away and them doing individual movies or kind of taking the good parts out of it and, and moving forward with that but um I was kind of fine with it. Do I wish it was probably three hours instead of four hours? Cause that feels like the right length for this type of movie. Do I wish they would have built up the justice league instead of just throwing it all at you in one movie? Yes. All those things. But um, I actually think it is a coherent Zack Snyder movie and that's what you get and and you're either gonna like that or you're not so and I think you know going into the movie if you're going to like it or not and I don't think it's gonna win you over and I don't think it's necessarily going to if you are a Zack Snyder fan you go fuck uh, we waited all this time and this is what we got I'm like no you're gonna get what you wanted so um, I think it's perfectly fine I'm actually I don't like rewarding the shitty people but I am weirdly glad it exists, because I do think that this is the version that should have just been released in the first place. Mind you, it should have been part one and part two, or it should have been three hours. That's my final thoughts on the movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. With the, it, it is a coherent, singular vision uh, that yes. is Zack Snyder through and through. And if you want a, like, a perfect example of what Zack Snyder is, is as a representation you can watch this movie without having watched his other stuff. You might not be able to follow with some of you know the plotting if you're not a superhero fan, but um, it is a coherent film. But again, like it's one of those movies that it is it is weirdly niche when you think of superhero movies in in this day and age. It, it, you know they are the most successful in terms of box office and and popular and commercial. commercial. And yeah. But when you think of like you know this as getting a director's cut or a definitive cut or an assembly cut as, as mentioned, it's kind of, it's kind of rare because that's usually reserved for movies that have either been art house films that have been sort of tinkered with by the studio or the director wasn't satisfied with the cut that was released. You know, like again, like some of the best theatrical cuts I have, I have ever seen. You know versus the director's cuts, so the best director's cut i've i that i that I love like and the one that I think a lot of people will reference is is Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. I think the director's cut of that movie is so much better because one it ditches the uh voiceover from Spring the theatrical feeding, cut yeah. and and it just it it's a little bit more sort of. It, it it doesn't rely on like you mentioned with spoon feeding, but it just doesn't rely. on – It trusts the audience, and it feels like a yeah, and it's more uh, into the visuals. And 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 yeah. again, like you could you could easily argue that that you know that movie theatrically or director's cut is is you know all visuals, style over substance, and a lot of Zack Snyder stuff is is very much argued in that. And then Ridley Scott again with Kingdom of Heaven, like you watch the director's cut of that. That movie, when you watch the director's cut, makes more sense with the character motivations and storylines and sort of where things go. And then like the other example that I always love talking about is uh, the Sergio Leone uh, Once Upon a Time in America. The can cut, the European edition, is a very long movie, but at the same time, it it's coherent. It makes sense. You understand where the story is going, what the character arcs are, where sort of, you know, a to B storylines are being written for and everything is is of a piece but then you watch the theatrical american cut of that film it's so chopped up that there are scenes that don't even make sense in terms of just sort of the the direction or sort of the movement of the character the mise-en-scène of it where you know one character will come in from uh you know a a hiding place from a different room that's introduced pretty well in backstory and character motivations in the can cut you know but but then again like i i have to i have to say like it's easy to sort of you know poo poo the the fanboys for wanting this but at the same time there are tons of film fans that wanted to see the can cut of um Richard Kelly's uh Southland tales, which just got yeah. a, a new release through arrow and you can watch that cut, which is three hours long and was booed at can. And then, you know, the, the studio chopped it down. Is it a better version of the, the vision that Richard Kelly had for Southland tales? Yeah. Is it, does it make it, does it, does it make it yeah. a good movie still no but it's just interesting to watch kinda, and that's exactly how yeah. I felt or or like the I, I mentioned you know I made the joke with Paul Schrader with first reform you know the exorcist the beginning or, or domino prequel to the exorcist you know you have the Rennie Harlan yeah. Paul Schrader versions they're both terrible movies but they're fascinating to watch because they're to so watch, different yeah. in sort of what they're doing one's an action movie and then one is a Paul Schrader contemplating the world and introspective so you know, like that's the curiosity with with film goers. I think is that yeah. you're you're always you're tempted by it point. because you look at what the director had in mind and and how that might change with with a new cut or a new issue of the movie and how placement and editing kind of changes things.
0: Music we didn't even talk about like as a completely new score by no longer Junkie XL going by uh, his real name is like Thomas something. <laughs> um uh because the Danny Elfman score completely removed but yeah you make a great point Eric and I think that's probably why I'm leaning more positive on it because I did find it fascinating and interesting to watch from that perspective of we saw this version of this movie in theaters and now I'm seeing you know this original vision is it a great movie no but it is better than the original one. And I do kind of weirdly appreciate it for, you know, his excessiveness and just him being him. And I don't know, like it's, I was still intrigued. The epilogue stuff, the nightmare sequence. I was like, all right, you kind of, I hate, I hate that I'm intrigued by this, but I am still okay. If we don't get any more from the Zack Snyder verse, right? right? Like, Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you that it, there will be a morbid curiosity from a lot of people. And I still stay true to my point where I don't think it's necessarily going to change your opinion on Zack Snyder or the DCEU or any of that. Like, I feel like you might be pleasant. You might skew a little bit more mi- like positive, like I am, or you might kind of. I still think you're more positive on it than the original cut, but you're still. You know, it's still a Zack Snyder movie and it's still four hours long and it's still this DCEU, which not many people wanted more of necessarily. Right? Yeah. Or not, I mean, there is a big group of people who did, which is why we wanted this movie
1: or why we got this. Right. Movie. And, and there is one performance and casting piece that I really do like. And I wish that, like, I don't know if they'll continue on in some way because they might they might figure a way to to do it um but i the the one performance and piece of casting that i liked in this and also batman versus superman is jeremy irons as alfred i think he is yeah perfect like like that is a good performance and a, an amazing piece of casting and i really feel that he captures the essence of alfred pennyworth alfred, yeah. in a way that kind of makes sense for this version but also still stays true to the essence of what that character is what bob you know We're, king created weirdly mansplains tea to wonder woman right well he <laughs> but, is british right so you yeah, can't help I it. i know
0: but she's like thousands of years old i'm pretty sure she knows what tea is right um or how to make tea properly um that being said uh again mixed positive for me uh, never thought I'd say this, but I will give it a, uh, I'll give it a three out of 5 You've gotten
1: soft, Matt. I'm giving it a two out of five.
0: Hey, even that, that I'm impressed by, Eric. It got you to a two. Um... Thank you all for listening. Um, This wasn't quite as excessive as um, the Snyder cut, but it is a quite a long review for us. Uh, We have a big uh, week this week, Uh, tons and tons of stuff actually. So we would love for you guys to go check out our, we did a hour and a half long uh, untitled movie podcast on the Oscar nominations, which were also today. So please go check that out. Uh, Eric and I, your expert, analysis of Oscar season from your uh, utmost uh, uh, pristine pundits Eric and Matt your friendly neighborhood um, pundits Yeah, uh, we talk about all of the Oscar noms, so go check out the Untitled Movie Podcast on that channel. Um, This week, South by Southwest uh, happens, so we have tons of reviews from the South by Southwest Film Festival, which you can check out right here on Untitled Movie Reviews. Um, We also have a WandaVision spoiler cast you guys can check out uh, probably soon. Keep an eye for that on the main channel will have a review for the Falcon and the winter soldier first episode, which will also be on untitled movie reviews. And we'll have a review for keeping within superheroes this week, Eric, South by Southwest is a
1: superhero, right?
0: Yeah. Superhero, extreme superhero, uh, West. Um, and then invincible. The first three episodes on Friday, we'll have a review for. So, um, lots of stuff this week. Uh, very exciting. Eric and I are already tired, but um, you know that's only because we had to watch a four-hour.
1: And we got of up Justice early this League. morning as we're recording this yeah. for the Oscar nominations. So
0: um please give uh untitled movie podcast a follow on all those social medias at untitled underscore cast review us on your podcast service of choice if you would be so kind and as always my name is uh matt roerbeck you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com
1: and you can follow me on all of those social medias at matt roerbeck and i'm eric Marchand. you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at em6211 until next time release the a or cut We're going to get it. I guarantee you.
0: Bye.